Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, the Fort Wayne area, chairman of the Republican Study Committee on the House Armed Services Committee. We've been had a, the good fortune, sir, being able to speak on, on multiple occasions. I have never, since you went and to serve, and it was your wife who took over your position for a short while in the state of Indiana, I've never had a chance to speak to as we are watching a war, never mind whether or not the United States is on the precipice of war. So before we go any further, is there any conversation on Capitol Hill about U.S. forces being involved in Ukraine? Yes, under the surface, Tony, but I I don't want to dismiss the common sense answer to all of this, which is to sanction the head of Putin Russia. Yesterday, what we found out after Joe Biden spoke and signed more sanctions the more we learn about the, the sanctions that, that Biden has put into place, the more we realize that they're a joke. They, they actually have carve-outs for Russia's energy sector. And if you want to prevent Russia from moving into Ukraine, then you got to hit them where it hurts, which isn't, isn't bloodshed. It's hit them in the pocketbook. Russia is a gas station with an army. They are dependent upon their oil and gas sector. And Biden's uh, sanctions that he's imposed carve out the oil and gas sector. Who said that? Was that McCain? Uh, Russia's a gas station with a parking lot. Uh, something, something like yeah, that. I, one uh, of those kind of statements. It's, it's very, it's very well true. It's a very, very small economy. They have one product, and it was that product that Ronald Reagan used to defeat the Soviet Union. That's right. Uh, back then, the sanctions as you're talking about them. As we move on to that subject. The President Biden, as of this moment, has said no to sanctions regarding SWIFT transaction system, communication system. So they're still able to move dollars and cents and no sanctions directly on Vladimir Putin. And your argument is then, therefore, we don't have sanctions. Yeah, that's right. Do four things. Sanction Russia's uh, energy, their oil and gas sectors. Sanction Putin directly. Secondly, hit him where it hurts by sanctioning him and the oligarchs around him. Declare Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. They continue to give aid to Hezbollah and other uh, uh, foreign uh, adversarial actors and terrorist groups. And, and then four, just completely isolate their economy. I mean, th- this, is, this is so simple. It's, it's common sense. And, the, and, and Joe Biden and the Biden administration refuses to do it. It seems like yesterday, it seems like yesterday Joe Biden and the Biden administration had, did a head fake on these sanctions. Unfortunately, they weren't head faking Putin. They were head faking the American people. And it's like he's everything he's done so far is just say he did something. But when you dig into what he's trying to do, it doesn't do anything at all. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. I favor no troops in Ukraine and I favor crippling sanctions. And I favor them because I'm a believer that our job should be to keep Russia's aggression to a minimum because of the threat that it brings to Europe and to NATO allies. There are some who believe that even if that came to other European nations, that's for them to take care of. So where's the line? Where's the line between conservative and the neocon? Where's the line between Europe has to handle its own business and we have to go handle Europe's business? I don't know if there's a line, Tony. I completely agree with you. Uh, at the end of the day, the solution here is simple, and it's not bloodshed or war. We don't need – We don't. America can't afford another Afghanistan on its hands – 
Um, it's not about that. It's about it's about inflicting as much harm on Russia to back them off as we can. But it's not just about Russia. This is at the same time about China. It's about Xi. It's about Taiwan. And who and they are she is 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 watching every move that America makes or doesn't make every every weak move by America in knowing that he can act out and do ultimately what he wants to do, which is take over Taiwan as well. Now, in the hours of in the last uh, few hours, even today, Tony, we're learning more about the the joint effort, the 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 uh, in, uh, intertwined efforts between and coordination between. Russia and China, they've been meeting, they've coordinated this timing, and uh, there's no, no doubt in my mind is they made, a joint, they made a joint statement. Russia and China made a joint statement. Putin and, and Chairman Xi said that Ukraine belongs to Russia and Taiwan belongs to China. So this isn't by accident. They were, both of these guys were waiting for a moment like this one, a weak American president uh, who's, not, who's going to back off and, and not go after Either one of them to do with exactly what they're doing right now. They knew they knew they didn't have that when Donald Trump was in the White House, and they know they have it now. I want you to define the weakness. Define what weakness is in your view. Well, let's go, Donald. For four years, Putin uh, wasn't quite sure how Donald Trump would react, but knew that Donald Trump was uh, was was holding the better hand. Uh, America was playing with a full house, and and Russia they had a nine, and they knew that. That uh, if they acted out, if they invaded Ukraine, that there would be hell to pay from from America and Trump because Trump told him that. So that Trump, in so many ways, echoed Reagan era peace through strength. He rebuilt the military after Obama decimated it. And, and now we have the opposite. We have Biden, who's who's submitting budgets to Congress. They cut military spending again. Biden, actually, after Trump gave lethal aid to Ukraine after a big game. Obama refused lethal aid. Trump gave lethal aid to Ukraine. Biden shut off lethal aid again. So it, it's American weakness at its worst with Joe Biden in the White House each and every day. But it's not just about foreign policy. Um, America is strongest when our and, and the world is stronger and more safe and secure when America's economy is strong. And what, what we're seeing, what we've seen happen in one year on Joe Biden's watch with inflation, with the border crisis, with crime, with with fentanyl flooding in our country. America is very weak at this moment. And most Americans, everywhere I go, they can define and articulate to me. They, they're they watching the, the decline of our standard of living in America, unlike most Americans have ever seen in their lifetime. So that that's a moment for Putin, for Xi, for China, Russia, Iran, um, other adversaries to strike out and act because this is a moment of American weakness. Let me turn the subject a little and take it from the Russian point of view. This is not to take Joe Biden off the hook for any of it. And I am so bothered by by the sanctions conversation, by what it is that we we have seen the, the, the lie told. And I and I do believe and I've said quite clearly that Joe Biden lied when he said there would be swift sanctions and then there were no sanctions whatsoever. All politics are local. And we're hearing that there are Russians protesting against this invasion. We have also heard that while Russia and, and one of the last reports has surrounded and taken parts of Kiev, they haven't. There, there's been some pushback. There has been fighting back. Is there the possibility that the Russian people themselves, no matter how under thumb they are, will say out loud, we didn't want any of this? If things don't move with swiftness, 
for Vladimir Putin. Is there the possibility that he will be seen as weak? Uh, they're very expensive. That's a very important part of this conversation because Russia is very overstretched. Their economy is not that strong. So if they're if they're going into Ukraine and using all of their military power and might to do it, that means that they're leaving vulnerabilities elsewhere. So if the if the Russian people are seeing this and speaking out and, and pushing back, um, I, I hope that's the case. I don't know if that's the case or not, uh, Tony, but I, I hope that's the case. I see more of that. I can also tell you that the... The Ukrainian soldiers are brave. They're fighting back. I, I've been to Ukraine. I visited the, the eastern parts. I visited an army base a few years ago where American troops were training the Ukrainian troops with javelin missiles and other uh, weapons that we were giving them. These are brave soldiers, and you're watching them fight back. And fight back enough, uh, enough and give, uh, 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 give uh, the Russian military and, and Putin a bloody nose in all of this, then, then hopefully it'll back, they'll back off. They'll feel the pain and back off. Is Congress moving to push Biden into the big sanctions, SWIFT, and other ones? Can they move him? Is there a pressure that could be put on Joe Biden to do the – not even the right thing, the thing that he promised that he would do? That's right. Um, this week, a lot of debate about humanitarian aid, maybe, maybe some debate about giving Ukraine more lethal aid. But, Tony, what's missing in all of this are Democrats who are willing to step up and say – uh, it's time to do the right thing, Mr. President, and sanction the hell out of Putin and Russia. And so far, I haven't heard a single Democrat step up, stick their neck out and say that. And it's got to make you wonder why. I, I wonder why why Biden is so weak on Russia to begin with. What what I mean, you go back to pre-election, everything that we learned that the media and big tech tried to cover up about Hunter Biden's dealings in, with Ukraine and and, uh, and 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 in Russia, like what what do they know about Hunter Biden? What do they know about the Bidens that's causing Biden to be so weak in this moment? There's got to be an explanation to all Wait. of this, because right now there's no good explanation for why Biden is so weak. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking you right in the eye, Congressman Banks. We're both here at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Are you making the argument that. Are you making the argument that that the president is compromised by Ukraine? I, I, I've got to wonder, what do the Russians what do the what do the Chinese know about Hunter Biden's business dealings? How did he get so filthy rich out of Ukraine, Russia, China, and other parts of the world that we now find ourselves in such big conflict? And we have a president, his dad, who's not willing to do enough to do anything about it, who's I, not pushing back, not not doing the obvious things that we should be doing about it. I am hoping that by this time in, in our professional relationship, sir, we've had a lot of good conversations, that you know that I ask questions that are serious, that I ask questions that are focused. I'm not a man by of any stretch of the imagination. You realize that by saying that, that clip is now going to get sent around the world that Congressman Jim Banks of the Republican Study Committee is questioning out loud whether or not Joe Biden is the puppet of Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. Tony, I'm asking the same question that millions of Americans are asking. Why is this president not doing uh, exactly the obvious thing that he should be doing? Why is he not sanctioning Putin himself, removing China from the SWIFT banking system? going after after Russia's uh, energy sector. These are obvious questions that the American people don't have a good answer uh, from this president about. And yes, you, I, I am asking the obvious question. What 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 did Hunter Biden's business dealings in that part of the world with China? What it, how did the, the Bidens get so filthy rich and why right now, as we find ourselves on the brink of a worldwide disaster, is Biden so weak and not doing anything about it? 
I don't know if it's I don't know if it's if there's a correlation or not, but it's an obvious question that a lot of people would like to have an answer to. My answer, my my off the cuff answer, and I've said this before, is that when you don't have a core, you end up in places like this. You don't have a plan. You don't have a strategy. Afghanistan didn't have a strategy. Uh, energy independence doesn't have a strategy. That's always the place I go. I naturally do shy away from the other thing. I just think that I, I don't mind you saying it. And I do agree with you that millions of people are actually asking, proactively asking this question. I just wanted to make sure we understood what we were saying here because, you know, ping, 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 as it bounces around. Uh, it's not, a, not an accidental coming. question. These are these are real questions that so many of us have because it's so obvious this president is not willing to to, to lead. He's not willing to stick his neck out. He's not willing to do the right thing um, at this important juncture, this important time. Like I said, he, he head faked not Putin. He head faked the American people yesterday by announcing sanctions. And then when you actually read the sanctions and realize that they don't do what he said that they were going to do, there's got to be an explanation for that that they haven't explained to us yet. We're at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, all of this conversation about Biden. How do you distill that into conversation that people have with their neighbors about how they should vote? For the House and Senate in 2022. I, I, I truly, Tony, I truly don't know how any thinking person, any reasonable person in this country can ever vote for a Democrat again. I mean, after four years of what we had, Donald Trump, strong American leadership, the world was more safe and secure on Donald Trump's watch than any single day that Joe Biden has been in office since he was sworn in on January 20th of 21. The world was more safe and secure uh, we were well on our way to getting uh, through a pandemic. Um, at the moment that Joe Biden became president, we had inflation on the rise. He he took an energy independent uh, country in the United States of America and made us dependent on foreign oil and gas. Again, the, the, he opened the border. The border was secure under Donald Trump. He opened it wide open. We have fentanyl flooding into our country, killing uh, so many Americans, fentanyl is now the leading cause of death of Americans, 18 to 45 working age Americans right now as we speak. Big reason why is because of the Biden border policies. You have crime crime waves all over the country um, at, at record rates. Americans see the decline of their standard of living in a way that that is so um, that, that affects so many American families. And they blame Democrats for it. I don't know how any thinking person can vote Democrat in this upcoming midterm election. After what for four years versus what we've had for the last year and a couple of months on Joe Biden and the Democrats watch. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I appreciate you taking the time. Great to be with you. Absolutely. So Joe Biden has made a decision on a nominee to the Supreme Court, Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today we are here at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, presented by Relay Indiana. Yeah, sorry about the the weird glitches in the interview with Jim Banks, which, yeah, we know is going viral. Jim Banks saying, when you don't, aren't willing to engage sanctions on Putin. One's got to ask a question about Biden's dealings with Ukraine. One's got to ask serious questions. That, we, 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 we have it. We're already breaking it out. Everyone's putting it together. We will have it out there. It's, I mean, you heard me. Go back and just double check with the congressman. Wait, is that what you're saying? He goes, that's the question people are asking. And the truth is, he is right about that. People are asking. 
Now, the reason that they're asking, well, we can go into a lot of reasons for that, but you can't deny that people will ask questions like it. You want to you want to dismiss it as conspiratorial? You can. However, remember that Twitter decided that the New York Post story on Hunter Biden's emails was a conspiracy until, of course, it wasn't. And that's what a that's what allows Congressman Banks to make a statement, which I think is tapping into where a lot of people are at. We're going to get to that, Kira Davis, coming up uh, to, to talk to from from Red State. Uh, but President Biden is going to be pit. He uh, is going to pick uh, Kintaji Brown Jackson uh, to uh, the Supreme Court. He said he was going to pick a well-qualified black woman. I am not sure yet about the well-qualified. Now, I'm going to find, I'm sure, that she's got a history. And she graduated here, and she, she, did, she, she was in this part of this court and part of that court there. I'm going to be digging into this next week. The fact that this denomination would come out now, that is a little bit of, hey, let's not pay attention to what I've done horribly wrong regarding Ukraine, regarding Russia, and regarding the fact that I said there would be crippling sanctions and then decided what's a crippling sanction, which is the part I'm personally angriest about. So as I said, sorry about the uh, audio quality of the, of the interview with Congressman Jim Banks. Uh, I think I got it fixed. I think we're all good and, and, and clear there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about this nominee. And also remember that in years past, nominees sailed through the Senate. There were questions. There were discussions. There were always a few dissenting people, but they sailed through the Senate. It isn't until you get to Robert Bork and then conversations about Harriet Myers. And th- there, there's conversations on all sides. Robert Bork got hosed in a way that is hard to uh, fathom. Where the Supreme Court was made so absolutely political. Then you have the idea of picks that are made because of the radical politics. We'll get into that with this election from uh, Biden of uh, Jackson, who was indeed confirmed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District, Colum- District of Columbia Circuit, 53 to 44, with uh, only three Republicans voting in her favor. All, all you would need, all you need is 50 plus one. I'm just saying that this is going to be a fight. And this nomination was released now because of Ukraine, because we had already been asking over a week ago why do we not have an answer, a nomination from Biden? It just seems odd. Of course he has a short list. He's got teams that work on who to put on the Supreme Court. It's what presidents do. We've got more from CPAC. Where are these voters going? And more from uh, the stories out of Ukraine. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. It would not be CPAC unless there were technical issues. Hey, it's producer Ari here. Tony's at CPAC right now. Every year this happens, there's always some sort of technical issue. Fear not, they're going to get fixed right now. In the meantime, we have so many backed up interviews that are so good that we just didn't have time to air. Luckily, this is the perfect time to do it. Governor Scott Walker from uh, the great state of Wisconsin, the best of all 50 states, in my opinion, uh, was uh, spoke to Tony this morning. Let's give you a taste of that. The Conservative Political Action Conference, Governor Scott Walker, former governor of Wisconsin, the man who heads up the Young America's Foundation, where I have yet to be invited to speak. 
Well, come it, on, join us. It seems come that, out to the Reagan Ranch. That's one of the coolest things out there. It seems that Ben Shapiro is the only Jewish guy you guys want to work with. Is this true? <laughs> is this? Well, we hey, we're wide open. We uh, actually Ben's uh, uh, brother-in-law uh, used to be on our staff. He was one of our lawyers. I, I am shocked, and I did not know. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to be here. I love the energy. I particularly love the energy with young people. Not just folks involved with YAF, uh, our organization, but just young people in general. They're pumped up. In some cases, they're ticked off because of all the nonsense with schools being closed down, with vaccine mandates, with mask mandates, all that sort of stuff. A lot of these are college kids yeah. who, who have to deal with that. Before we get into your work and, and, and maybe where we see this youth vote yeah. going, um, as you you have the experience as an executive, and you have fought some of the more insane battles, You're, you you could go back to your tenure as governor as almost a ground zero for cancel culture yeah. kind of fights, Act Ten uh, things like that. One of the things that we learned from your experience is that sometimes you do the thing that somebody else may say is unpopular, and they don't want you to do. You do it anyway. Uh, President Biden yesterday said there would be no sanctions like the SWIFT sanctions, yeah. right? The, the yeah. SWIFT yeah. system, yeah. because the Europeans aren't in favor. I, I think, and from what I'm gleaning specifically, it's France and Germany. Yeah. Is that a reason not to go forward with these sanctions? No, screw them. I mean, the bottom line is America leads. We, you know, st- I said this yesterday strong people don't get us into war, weak people do. Uh, and so, appeasement, I mean, Neville Chamberlain showed this when the world appeased uh, Adolf Hitler and allowed him to go into Czechoslovakia under the auspices that there were German-speaking people in those areas. What happened? A year later, he went into Poland. We had the start of World War II. This guy, Joe Biden, is going to get us into much bigger trouble unless they take really swift action, no pun intended. And and if you're not sanctioning, for example, things like uh, uh, Russian oil and natural gas supplies, you're just fooling yourself. This is an absolute joke out here, and he's going to get us into a a world war. Now, I'm... I, I, A, certainly hope not. B, I, I sometimes question exactly how bad this can get. It's really a question of how far Putin goes to answer certainly parts of, of the question. But it is the leadership concept and idea, and I think that's a large part of what 2022 is. Yeah. If we make an argument that the winning argument against Donald Trump was no more mean tweets yeah. and that the adults were going to be in the room, the adults are not in the room, and the, ra- the rational mind, rational Americans, see this. So yeah. how do you view the messaging that needs to go into 2022 for this group and for the political right to take back the House and the Senate? Well, first off, just on that concept you're talking about, it's real simple to point to Joe Biden. He's just not up for the job. He's not up for the job, and anybody who's aligned with him is empowering him to take us further in the wrong direction, not just on policies like this, but for gosh sakes, do we need to throw any more money at COVID? No, this is an absolute joke. It's an absolute excuse for the radicals on the left to pour more money into the federal government, and the American people can see what it's doing. It's driving up inflation, which more than just some economics term means higher food costs, if you can even find things on the shelves. It means higher costs at the pump, higher costs for housing. We've got to counter that by saying, hey, enough of the spending. Let's flatten out the federal government. Let's put the power back in the hands of the people. And on that point in particular, I think what we saw in Virginia is an eye-opener for the rest of the country. Parents are pissed off. Uh, They've seen after two years of COVID shutdowns what their kids are learning, or in many cases not learning. They don't like it. They want uh, power back in the hands of parents again. And every conservative should be advocating for more power in parents' hands. Talking to Governor Scott Walker, former governor of Wisconsin, and the president of the Young America's Foundation. I grew up not knowing of any of these foundations. I didn't learn about this stuff until after I got involved in, in, in the movement and yeah. the Tea Party and, and things like that. Talk to me about YAF and, and what it is they do. 
Yeah, it started all the way back with William F. Buckley. Ronald Reagan, Barry Goldwater got involved in the 60s. Back then, it was just on college campuses. Now, if you want to learn more, yf.org. But now, we go out to high school, and we just start this year. I've just become the new president. We're going even into middle school with new programs there because that's what the left is doing. we got to counter the left-wing liberal indoctrination happening on our college campuses and even in our schools, and not just in government-run schools, but increasingly even private schools. So we do conferences. We have members. We have chapters. We have great speakers. Uh, we do all sorts of things. And we, we just doubled, for example, the number of YouTube subscribers we have. So young people are picking up on it. You mentioned Ben Shapiro earlier, but he's a prime example. Uh, we had him uh, down in two campuses end of last semester here in, Cal- in uh, Florida. Uh, we had tens of thousands of kids there. But more importantly, just those two speeches on campuses here in Florida more than 5 million people saw them on YouTube and all our other social media platforms. So we're What's reaching me- students in person. What is the message, whether whoever the speaker is, what is the message that you see is connecting with that 20-something? Well, it's twofold. One, certainly with those right of center. I don't just mean hardcore conservative, just right of center, just open-minded uh, from center to the right is, uh, you know, young people in general buy into fairness. And when you point out the fact that for all this talk about diversity on campus, the one area completely lacking is thought diversity, that everything is not just left-wing, it's radical left-wing, and any other voices aren't heard at all. That's a powerful message, not just for those of us on the right, but I think for students in general, because they're not hearing it. And some people blame the students. I blame the rest of society saying we don't do enough to ensure they get a, a full spectrum of ideas. But secondly, just the, I, I think students, when talked to, are more libertarian than they are liberal. And by that, I mean, the more we talk about putting power back in their hands, you want to start a business, you go out and do your own thing, live your own dream. They want to put their hands and and, and their minds into the government. We want you to do your own thing. That's a powerful message for young people. CPAC in Orlando, Florida, presented by Relay Indiana. This is Tony Katz Today. So it's so interesting that at a convention that has the tagline of Awake Not Woke, as CPAC does, they also are starting to have conversations about black outreach. And for people on the surface, those sound like contrary positions. How in the world... Could you get into a conversation of, you know, the end of, of, of wokeness and wokeism is bad, and then you're running a panel about how to engage black outreach? I had this conversation earlier today with a, a woman named Stephanie Trussell who's running for lieutenant governor of Illinois. And I said, I have been begging on my morning show to get invited to speak at a black church for years now. <laughs> for years! Because it isn't a conversation of wokeness. It's a conversation of you have to meet people where they are. And Republicans in the main are too scared of their own shadow to go meet black people where they are because they're afraid of what they're going to say. Not what someone who else is going to say to them. They're afraid of their own words. It's true. Search your feelings. That's whole Star Wars thing right there. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. Kira Davis joins us right now, editor-at-large for Red State, where, of course, you see my videos, the DC Outsider videos. You can use promo code KATZ, K-A-T-Z, and get your discount when you become a VIP. Uh, 
Hey, Kira. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good. I'm enjoying CPAC. Enjoying you, myself. You, you were on the panel, the, the first ever panel at CPAC. Well, it wasn't officially a CPAC panel. It was a panel hosted by Town Hall, which, of course, is Red State's parent company. And you can view that video at townhall.com. But, yeah, we ran. As far as I know, it was the first black history panel to be hosted by at a CPAC. And... Um, we had a great time, but we, I, I was so glad the way you introduced this segment, because this is one of the things we talked about. Why don't we sort of open up the conversation more to Black History? CPAC's in February every year. This is Black History Month, but we don't really make a big deal out of Black History Month. And so we talked about how we're missing a real outreach opportunity. The Democrats are losing hugely in the black community. I cannot tell you how many of my own friends and family who have said, I'm just walking away. I'm done. So let me let me make what I think is the argument. And the argument is the idea of an anything history month as opposed to an American history month 12 months a year is by definition wokeness. It is by definition pandering. And why should we want to be a part of that? I'm glad you asked. I'm it's glad. not by definition uh, wokeness. Um, because just and I think we're in dangerous territory when we compare blackness to wokeness, right? Then that then what that means is that we're not allowed to embrace that on the right because that's a woke thing, that's a left thing. But it's not pandering. And I agree actually that black American black history is American history and that's how I want to celebrate it. But we don't know all the stories. We haven't quite folded black history into the larger um, zeitgeist of American history. So Although I would love to see a time when we don't need Black History Month, I think it's a great opportunity to tell American stories that we don't traditionally hear. And on this panel, we were actually having this discussion about why black history is something that conservatives can embrace. And one of the main uh, things is that black history is about freedom. You know, and we love freedom on the right. And part of the struggle of black America has been the struggle for freedom. And of course, in these COVID times, we can all relate to that. And then the other part of the struggle is capitalism. You know, we're, we're a story of the, the, the triumph and virtue of capitalism. Uh, black Americans have used capitalism over the years to, um, you know, avail themselves of their civil rights, to be uh, absorbed into larger society. So I think that black history is conservative history, really. And, and a lot of people forget Black History Month was started by a Republican. It started by Carter Woodson, who started a Black History Week, which went on to become Black History Month. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to prove to Democrats that black people were people. And he would say, I can't do this on the Democrat side because they don't think we're people. I've got to do this on the Republican side. He, he used it as a week to honor Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass and to say, hey, uh, on the Republican side, we celebrate freedom. Somehow we've let the left um, co-opt Black History Month and the idea of black outreach. And then we've sort of we we have battered wife syndrome. Now we're like, well, you know, if we say anything about it, they're going to call us racist. They're gonna, no, this is our this belongs to us. We're the side of freedom. We're the side of civil rights. We're the side of God. You know, we're the side that welcomes all capitalism. We're the side that welcomes all these things. And these are all things that are important in the black community. So let's stop letting the left own this. This is our issue. Talking to Kira Davis of RedState.com and also the Just Listen to Yourself podcast. This is, you, you, you just said this is important to the black community. Mm -hmm. 
I got to tell you, I'm not a guy who actually believes in communities. Mm -hmm. When I'm told about the Jewish community, I laugh out loud. <laughs> what Jewish community do you even think you're talking about? You're talking about the leftist community and me. That's, that's who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Me and nine other friends so we can have a minion. Like, those are the ten Jews who are conservatives. Uh, there, there, there are more. I, sh I should say that there are more. <laughs> but so, so I, think, I think we have to at least recognize how the terminology has been utilized. And we take black history and what, we, what it has been, you, you are absolutely right about that, con contorted to be is leftist history. Right. Or leftist abusive history to say, look at you terrible person. Yes. It's one thing to study history. It's another thing to decide that history means you're evil today. That's which is right. how things work. So it's part of the conversation, a little bit of freeing all of us from the idea of guilt and getting yes. into an idea of actual history. 100%. And that I think that is why conservatives really shy away from identifying this month, but also just identifying sort of, as you say, I don't like to talk about communities or I think conservatives shy away from that because they're the left has been so successful at taking what is really a, a great American story and making it about blame that we have forgotten that the the story of uh, America as embodied in black America is a story of victory. It's a, it's always a story of overcoming. That is actually the American story from the beginning. It's right? also the Jewish story. They yeah. tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. If you, that, that's every holiday. If you, right live in a, if you live in America, this is the place to tell those stories, right? Because we are literally built on the idea of overcoming, whether it is our founding fathers overcoming a, a king far away, or it's slaves overcoming slavery, or it's Martin Luther King overcoming in the civil rights movement. We're built on that. Who's, who's more equipped to tell that story, the left or the right? So this is where now, this is the part two and how Kira and I know each other. We've known each other for, for well over a decade now. And we were both in LA at the same time around storytellers. And the problem is, is that the left has nearly all the market on yes. storytelling and the right has a lot of people in the same blue suit and white shirt who write <laughs> white papers and can't tell a story to save their holy damn lives. Yes. So it's not just telling the story. It's how you tell a story. Yeah. And I want to be a part of telling story in ways that are interesting, that make people go. Because that's how the left has won the culture war, right? They make the stories interesting. They make them compelling. Well, there are, there are so many compelling stories in American history that we should be telling. We should not be letting the left tell these stories. Because you know what they do with the stories? They lie. They twist them. Or they make them into stories about oppression instead of stories about overcoming oppression. Well, I still have a minute. The Indiana Democratic Party. Every time they send out a missive, it's like, oh, those Republicans with their culture war again. Yeah. Those Republicans pushing the culture war. And they, my line is, good. They hate that. But they can't stand it because you're not supposed to be in the culture war. Hey, you guys were, I thought all you guys were going to do was go to CPAC with your white shirts and your blue ties. And, and you were going to uh, pass around white papers. I thought, we thought that's all you guys were going to do. They can't stand that we're getting into the game. They can't stand it. Every time you hear a Democrat, uh, Indianans, say that, what you need to do is be like, ah, we're over the target. <laughs> they right. can't stand that we're in their space. And I think we need to get in their space more. That means we, we need a little more creativity telling these stories. Don't be afraid of this story. This is an American story. And uh, it's one that we should be telling on the right because we're going to tell it the right way. Kira Davis. Are you, are you still Kira Ann Davis on the Twitter box? I am. No, I'm real Kira Davis. You're real Kira Davis. Yeah. 
So you changed your name. I did because I, I had a lot of confusion with my middle name is Anne, but it's spelled like Ayn Rand, A-Y-N. My mom was like a, a liberal, godless liberal hippie, but she loved Ayn Rand. Well, then and she wasn't a godless liberal hippie. She was. She might have been just, godless, it was but not a liberal hippie. She was, but it was counterculture at the time, you understand. So that's why. So uh, it was just too much confusion when I was trying to tell people what it was. So real so now, Kira Davis on Twitter. So that's where you follow her. Check out her stuff at Red State. Dot com, R-E-D-S-T-A-T-E. I, I just said how to spell red state. Well, it's, it's a habit. <laughs> I spell everything. It's the weirdest. Well, seeing an audio medium, you know, you uh, want to make sure everything is clear. <laughs> and when you're at red state, become a VIP. Use promo code CATS. You can see my videos at DC K-A-T-Z. Outsiders. K-A-T-Z. That's right. Kira Davis has videos, but they suck. She doesn't know how to sell No, story. that's not true. <laughs> but you'll have to go over to redstate.com, R-E-D-S-T-A-T-E dot C-O-M to find them. Thanks, Tony. Kira Davis. <laughs> it, was, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. We've got more to get to from CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. You spell that C-P-A-C. <laughs> Brought to you by Relay Indiana. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.